0: Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God given destiny. In the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 1, Moses is coming to the end of his journey. He's over a hundred years old now. Think about that. He was 40 years old when he killed the Egyptian and fled into the the desert, got married, started raising a family, he was 80 years old when the burning bush caught his attention and God spoke to him, told him to go down to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, and to reveal to the people that he had come as a deliverer. Wow. Now, here comes this 80-year-old guy. Some of them recognize him, but not Many. He'd been away 40 years. It makes a lot of difference. But here he is. And God uses him to lead the people out of Egypt, out of bondage, and away from Egypt and from the tyranny of Pharaoh. They cross over the Red Sea, of course. When they get on the other side of the Red Sea, the Egyptians come after them. God drowns them in the Red Sea. Takes care of that problem. But... Once they get past there, you would think that after God had showed them all of these things, that they would have been great people of faith, that they would never murmur and complain against God or against His people again or anything else, that they would believe God because they saw the miracles that God did. And yet, that generation of people, everyone, every man that was 20 years of age, when they left Egypt, everyone that was 20 years of age and older perished before they could reach the promised land because of unbelief. Every one of them, they murmured against Moses, they murmured against God. It seemed like every time God would do something really spectacular for them, they would do something stupid, You know, like complain and murmur and everything else because they didn't like the manna that God gave them. You know what manna means? It literally means what is it? It was this strange concoction that fell down out of the sky like dew that settled on the ground. They would go out and it was flaky and they would scrape it up and and eat it. It was angel food. Angel food cake, you know. Sometimes I've had angel food and I wonder what is it. But it sustained them. It sustained them. It was the bread of heaven. The word of God is like manna. It's the bread of heaven that nourishes us, gives us strength. There was not a feeble one among them. I mean, if you spent your life eating angel food, you'd be healthy and everything else. I don't imagine there were any obese people among them or anything else. They were all just healthy people. They were just healthy. Of course, they walked a lot, so they were in good shape carried their stuff. But here they had reached a place that was in the Sinai Peninsula. It was kind of an inverted type of peninsula. that, And there was a mountain there. We know it as Mount Horeb. And there was a certain peak on Mount Horeb that was Sinai. Sinai is where God took Moses Moses went to the top of the mountain and there he gave him the law, the law of God, the Ten Commandments. God literally took his finger and wrote the commandments in stone so that, you know, when you write something in stone, what does that mean? It's irrevocable. It's there. And God writes the commandments in stone and while Moses upon the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, he's up there fasting, seeking God. God's given him the commandments and everything else. And the people down on the ground, they're like, when's Moses coming back? And he'd been gone a while. You know, Moses was old when he left and started up the mountain. I wonder what's happened to this fella. Is he coming back? I mean, he brought us this far. He took us out of the comforts of Egypt you know, where we could get fresh onions and leeks and everything by the Nile, as one of the songwriters wrote about Keith Green, you want to go back to Egypt where it's safe and secure. And they, they, you know, they had reached this point and they're like, why did he bring us out here to perish in this desert? Not knowing what God was doing up on the mountain with Moses. And so we know how they talked Aaron into making an idol for them you know they they kept after him you know Moses is not coming back and we need something to worship you know this God is obviously forgotten about us because that was Moses's God will you will you make a God for us and so Aaron says well you know bring me all your earrings and all your jewelry and stuff and so they brought all their jewelry and earrings and stuff and so Moses or Aaron takes it and he 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 Melts it down and makes a molten calf. He makes a calf out of it, which they start to worship while Mo- Moses is upon the mountain getting the law. And when Moses comes back down with the law and he sees all the dancing and revelry and everything, you know, they were like, Celebrate good times, come on. And Moses comes down and he sees it and he's just like, Man, and he's got the tablets the law of God in his arms and he sees what's going on and he, gets, he gets ticked off and he breaks them like you can't even you can't even keep the commandments before you even get started this is, and, and really there's something to that we can't God had given him ten commandments actually he gave Adam and Eve how many commandments one, they couldn't even keep it. He said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They couldn't even keep that commandment. So now Moses comes back with 10 commandments, and, and they've already broken the commandments before he even gets back with them. So he throws them down and breaks them, you know, and, and he gets really upset with Aaron. He says, Aaron, what happened here? Aaron says, well, you know, these people, they wanted a God, so they brought me all their stuff, and I put it into the fire, and out came a calf convenient right it just just appeared out of nowhere we make excuses and everything for our sins and all that but that's really not where i'm going but but god had given them the law at sinai and so god had given them the law and you know what they stayed right there they stayed there a long time It was a religious place. And so Moses goes back up and God writes the tablets again. He comes back down. He's got the law and everything. So he takes them and he puts them in the the Ark of the Covenant. And so they're there. They're safely locked up in the Ark of the Covenant. Stone tablets, law, written. And so they stay there because, you know, we love religion, don't we? We like to be comfortable in our religion. So now they got the Ark of the Covenant. They got the tablets of stone. They're put inside. They don't even have to look at them, but they're there. They know that they're there. They know what they say. And so they stay there. They stay at this mountain for a long time. You know, it was only about 11 miles from Mount Horeb to the Promised Land. You know how long it took them to get there? Forty years. 40 years. As a matter of fact, I want to read it to you. Here it is. It says, these are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel across the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah beside Suf, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and Dizahab. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. And it came about in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel, according to all that the Lord had commanded him to give to them. After he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and Andrei, across the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to to us at Horeb, saying, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and set your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites, and to all their neighbors in the Arabbed, in the hill country and in the lowland, in the Negev, and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. When the children of Israel left Egypt, they journeyed across the Red Sea as far as Mount Horeb. And when they got there, the, the Amplified Bible says in verse 2, It is only 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Sierra to Kadesh Barnea on Caden's border. Yet Israel took 40 years to get beyond it. Now here they are 40 years into their journey. And Moses says in verse 6, The Lord God said to us at Horeb, You have dwelt long enough on this mountain. You stayed here long enough. And when we begin our our spiritual journey and the things of faith, the things of God, God wants to grow us up. He wants us to, to come to that place where we are no longer children, where we become mature, where we, we get beyond the do's and the don'ts. You know, we wrestle with sin. And most of the time we wrestle with sin all our life. And that's what these people were doing at Mount Sinai. Constantly grappling over the law. You know, Moses, what about this and what about that? And grumbling and complaining and everything else. But not going after the promises that God had made to them. God has given us exceeding great and precious promises by faith. And we receive them by faith. But the problem is we keep hanging around the mountain. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. And we stay right there. We don't, and we stayed at this stinking mountain long enough. It's time for us to grow up in the things of God, to claim the promises that God has for us, to become men and women of God, <laughs> to become fruitful in the kingdom. <clears throat> Eleven days. It's just amazing to me sometimes. To see people that I've known for years and years and years. Moses was the same way. Moses interceded for the people of Israel. They were a couple of times and God was ready to wipe them out. He was done with them. All their grumbling and their complaining and their moaning and their groaning and everything else. And all that he did for them, they still... You know, he gave them manna to eat and what they want. I'm sick of this manna. I want some meat. I won't let us have no meat. Tired of this stuff. Well, when we was back in Egypt, we had all the. We could go to the boiling pot and get what we wanted. And here we are out in this desert, and all we got is this manna. <laughs> You know what it means to murmur? It means to grumble to yourself. I've got a little Shih Tzu. Roscoe. I like to walk him. And when I'm walking him, a lot of times Roscoe's over there. He's going. He sounds just like some people I've known. He's like he's he's talking, isn't it? Like, what is he saying? <laughs> but that's what it means to murmur. We murmur to ourselves. Now, you can do one of two things you can murmur, or you can meditate. To meditate means to speak to yourself over and over till you get something deep down inside of you. You know, when we meditate on the Word of God, we speak it over and over to ourselves till we get it. And it's okay to speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make melody in your heart to the Lord, but grumbling and complaining will get you nowhere except in trouble with God. And that's where these people have been. They had hung around this mountain long enough. We all love those mountaintop experiences, don't we? If you don't believe me, man, I, I have seen Revival. Revival. Man, there's revival down in Pensacola. Let's go to Pensacola. And so everybody goes to Pensacola, because there's revival. People from all over the world come to Pensacola to get revived, and they get revived for about five. They barely survive after that. But what happened? We love those mountaintop experiences, don't we? We, want, we love those religious experiences. We love those, those times of refreshing. And, and they're needed. Believe me, they are. And I love it. But we can't dwell there. We got to keep moving forward. We got to go after the promises of God. And sometimes going after the promises of God means that we got to get on our knees. We've got to get down and and and, and like one fellow said the other day, we got to we got to suck carpet, man. We got to get down with God. We got to get you know we, we've got to get on our face before the Lord and find out what it is God wants us to do and do it. Get beyond the mountain we can't live in those experiences all the time we have to have to have something a little bit more sustenance substantial yeah that's a good word for it so what happens with religion when Moses was giving the law the people amended him real good We like this. This we will do, they said, didn't they? We will honor God. We'll keep his law. How long did they do it? Not very. Probably about the time their voices drowned out. Their hearts were already betraying them. They were probably thinking about who they were going to commit adultery with or coveting something else or wanting some other God or something else. That God had told them not to do. But we love those religious experiences. And, and, and that's what receiving the, the law was all about. And you know I've, I've been one of those preachers. That have, have preached the law. And boldly declared the law of God. And demanded that everybody keep it. Only the problem is I can't keep it myself. I can't. As hard as I try. I love God's law. And It's perfect problem is not the law of God. The problem is I'm not, and neither are you. That's why we need the grace of God. And the grace of God will carry us beyond our religious experiences. I've seen people come time after time, and they lived under this guilt and condemnation of not being able to be perfect like they want to be. Anybody ever been there? Oh, yeah. We, we want to be perfect, but I want to tell you something. I want to set you free today. You can't be. There's only one perfect, and they crucified him. So if you reach that state of perfection, look out, you're going to be crucified too. I'm not. I'm not there. And I'm not going to dwell at this mountain of religion and think that I can be. But I'm thankful for the grace of God that says I don't have to be. For my salvation is not based upon what I do. It's based on what he did. And what I do is receive what he did. And that makes me, guess what? In the eyes of God, I'm perfect. In the eyes of God, I'm spotless. I'm perfect in every way. For the Bible says, 2 Thessalonians 5.21, that he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God? Are you kidding me? He made him who knew no sin become sin for me? That just, that is grace. That is undeserved mercy. I don't deserve that and neither do you. But praise God, you got it. And I'm not going to dwell at this mountain of religious experience of trying to be perfect, trying to, to, to keep the law in order to become perfect in his sight. I can't do it. But I'm going to move on, and I'm going to claim the promises of God and His promises, which in him are always yes and amen. And His promises are that I can be perfect in Him, by His grace. For by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm made perfect in Him. I like that song, and, and we got to sing it next week. I, I was going to almost requested it this morning. He made me worthy. He made me worthy. I'm worth something in his sight. Without him, I'm not worthy. But because of what Jesus did, because he paid a price for me, I am worth more than anything in God's sight. I'm worth in his sight. That's a good thing, isn't it? Now, I've got just a a passage of scripture I want to share with you, and we're done. And this is about Paul. Paul was a very religious man. He lived at that mountain of religious experience. He was a man who who was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he was of Hebrew lineage, a Benjamite. He was everything. I mean, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a very religious, devout man and thought he was doing the work of God. And what he was doing is he was going around imprisoning and even watching the saints of God be killed. As a matter of fact, when Stephen, the first martyr for Christ, The first known martyr for Christ was killed. Paul was the guy that was standing there holding the coats of those who stoned him to death. He approved of what they did when they stoned Stephen to death. He was there. He took part in it. He wasn't very proud of it later on, but he did. But he did it thinking he was doing the right thing. And so many of us, we try to be right in God's sight thinking we're doing the right thing. But we're living at that mountain of the law of religious experience when really what God is after is faith faith plus nothing, faith plus nothing, grace, the grace of God. Now, look what Paul says. In Philippians chapter 3, and I love this in the Amplified Bible, it says, you know, I like the Amplified because it speaks louder. Verse 2, it says, look out for those dogs, the Judaizers, the legalists. Look out for those mischief makers. Look out for those who manipulate the flesh. For we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and by the spirit of God. And exult in glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ and put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh. And on an outward advantages and on outward advantages and etern- external ec- appearances. though for myself, I have at least grounds on to rely I have at least grounds to rely on the flesh. If any man considers that he has or seems to have reason to rely on the flesh and his physical and outward advantages, I still have more circumcised when I was eight days old of the race of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew and to so of Hebrews as to the observance of the law was of the party of the Pharisees. And as of my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church and by the law standards of righteousness, supposed standard of righteousness and uprightness and right standing with God, I was proven to be blameless and no fault was found with me. But whatever former things I had that I might have been gains to me, I, I have come to consider as one combined loss for the Christ for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, of perceiving and recognizing, under, understanding Him more fully and clearly for His sake. I have lost everything and consider it to be all mere rubbish, refuge, dregs, in order that I may gain or I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one, and that I may actually be found and known as in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own, based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness, and supposed right standing with God thus acquired but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in some way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, so that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that, if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from the dead, even while in the body, not that I have attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, But I press on to lay hold of and grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I'm not hanging around this mountain, I am moving forward. I'm going after what Christ paid the price for. My righteousness is not my own. It's in him. And the one thing that I want to do is I want to die to myself and live in him. I want to be more like Jesus. That's my goal. That's my price is going after him, so that I might attain unto the resurrection of of the dead, that I may have the power of the resurrection living inside of me, that this body that that this spirit that dwells in this body, this mortal body, shall be alive and shall touch people and cause people to know Christ. That is my ultimate goal. That I may be more like him. And that any righteousness that I have would simply be that people would look at me and say, you remind me of somebody. You, you kind of remind me of somebody I read about. That's what I want to be like. That's my goal. That I want to be like Jesus. That I may know him. That I may be perceived as knowing him. That I may be counted as one of his that's what I want to do. I want to stay at this. I don't want to stay at this mountain any longer. I'm steadily moving forward to what Christ for me. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling me upward. So it's time to leave this mountain of do's and don'ts. You don't have to be. You don't. You've been around this mountain long enough. If you're here today and you struggle with your relationship with Jesus. And you have, have, have tried to say, I'm not good enough. You know, I look at other people. They're better than I am. No, we're not. There's nobody here any better than anybody else. Nobody. We all. If you've been born again, you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are righteous as you're ever going to be. And it's not by works of righteousness that you have done. It's by his grace alone that you were saved. It's by his mercy. It's because of what Jesus has done. And so you are, so receive what God has paid for. And begin to act like, begin to be who you are. Be who you are. I'm a child of God. That'll set you free if you can just get a hold of that one thing that I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And when you are a child of God, you act like a child of God. Amen? Be who you are. Be true to your character and let the character of Christ come out in you. Not by works of righteousness that we have done. It's by His mercy. It's by His mercy. The grace of God has appeared unto all men, teaching us To deny ungodliness. We deny ungodliness because the grace of God has appeared. We don't continue to live in sin because of grace. But when we understand grace, we understand that God has set us free from the yoke of sin and bondage. We understand that by the grace of God, I can be what God has called me to be. That's what grace is. Amen? So get away from that mountain. You stayed there long enough. Let's move forward. Amen. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This message is spoke to you today, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray that God will set you free from the self condemnation and things that we heap upon ourselves because we mess up so much. I'm not telling you to stay there. I'm telling you to leave that mountain. Leave that mountain. It's time to move on. It's time to stop going around in circles. It's time for you to take that step of faith. It's time for you to begin to move forward in your, in your spiritual progression. That your desire would be to know him and know the power of his resurrection. What his resurrection has meant for you. That he has raised you from the dead. He has brought you into life. He's brought you out of the power of darkness. And he's put something inside of you. It's a divine deposit that God has made inside of you. It's by the blood of Jesus. It's by the power of the word of God. It's by faith. Just say this with me. By faith. I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to stop condemning myself. If I'm convicted of the Holy Spirit. Then I will repent. But I will not be condemned. In Jesus name. I will not stay at this mountain any longer but I'm moving forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now give the Lord some praise. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.